0: I was 22 years old when I came to prison. I was 30 years old when I went to prison. I was at the age of 19. I had just turned 19. Hi, I'm Chris, and I help life-sentenced men transition from institutionalized prison life back into society. Every one of our men has already served 25 to 45 years in prison. I serve on the board of the Corrections Transition Program at Everglades Correctional Institution in Miami, Florida. I teach these men life skills and how to speak, listen, and think, so when they get paroled they become assets of their communities rather than liabilities of the state. Welcome to Men Going Home. I'm Chris Wolf, and we've got another great show for you today because we are the only show that brings you access to a segment of society very few people know anything about. Men who have spent more than 30, 35, and even 40 years in prison. We'll talk to them about their crimes, their life in prison, and what their transition back into the free world was like after all those years. Now, before we welcome our special guest, please welcome my very good friend and co-host of this show, Andy Korch. Andy, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Chris. Good to be here and, and very eager to, to meet Casey and find out a little bit about her story.
0: Yeah. What did you think of last week's show? We had uh, Freddie Morales, who spent thirty years in prison without thinking without the possibility of parole and then it turns out that uh, his prosecutor or his defender his attorney never presented him with a with a thirty-year plea deal and he didn't find out about that for thirty years
1: yeah Freddie was an amazing case to me and it was incredibly compelling that story Mm -hmm. i mean he really had no chance from the beginning No guidance, started uh, experimenting with marijuana at the age of seven, alcohol at the age of eight. Eight, Um, You know, he really had no guidance. And it was really a true to me, uh, the most amazing redemption and and a renaissance of
0: a person that I've seen in the shows that we've done here uh, in Men Going Home. Right. He went to prison uh, thinking he was in for the rest of his life on three life sentences. And about the age of 24, he realized that this is not the life he wanted to live. Uh, and uh, he, he, w- he was very fortunate because life without the possibility of parole required some kind of divine intervention. And he did get it.
1: He did. And and the other thing that came out of that show, a couple other things real quickly. Um Number one, that law in the state of Florida, that crime he committed that he got his three life sentences, if he had committed murder in the course of that crime, he would have been eligible for parole. Fortunately, in the state of Florida, we've changed that law, and now that doesn't exist, but he was not eligible for parole, and if he had committed a murder at the time of the crime, he would have been. It was bizarre to me at Absolutely.
0: best. Absolutely. All you right. know, let's, so. in, let's introduce today's special guest. Today's special guest is much better looking than any of our previous guests because she is a friend of our show and went to prison in 2010 for grand theft and forgery. She has survived many years of drug and alcohol abuse and is very fortunate to have survived. Casey is very open, honest, and insightful, and she is here today to tell her story. Please welcome our friend, Casey Elder. Welcome to the show, Casey. Good morning.
1: Yeah. Good morning to both of you. Good morning. <laughs> Thank you for
0: having me. Casey, you grew up in Lakeland, Florida. What yeah. was that like uh, back in 1982 when you were born?
2: Um, well, It was like, I think, for anyone else in 1982. It was, you know, a lot more free going. You know what I'm saying? You had a lot more free time. Parents weren't on your back as much. There wasn't, you know, here and there to go. So... Um,
0: That's the headquarters of Publix, right? My parents
2: right? weren't really around, though. So. But isn't isn't
0: Lakeland the headquarters mm-hmm. of Publix? You have it a is. brother that works at Publix? I do. I do. Yeah. Now, tell us about your parents. Your father is very interesting. Your father was a freelance photographer, mm-hmm. had p- some pretty you know, big-name clients such as Reebok and 19. Nike, and your mother was a model, correct? Yes. Right. She,
2: was, um, she was actually was model of the year in 1981. Uh, I believe she was like three months pregnant with me at the time.
0: So so you grew up so you grew up in a relatively affluent family. I think your parents made good money. You said they were making about $250,000 a year back then
2: <clears throat> until about 1985 when they lost everything.
0: In 1985 they lost everything. Mm-hmm. Why did they lose everything?
2: To their own abuse of drugs and alcohol and Well standards. that's very interesting <laughs> because you
0: you did mention you remember them not only using drugs but selling drugs. Talk about that.
2: Um, yeah, my dad, my, well, because my dad was a photographer and it was for, you know, like the swimsuits, um, Reebok, Nike. There was a lot of women coming in and out of the house and with that lifestyle, it's a very fast lifestyles and there's people are wanting to stay skinny and work long hours and go to all the parties. So that requires a little bit of extra and then there's all the extracurriculars that go along with that. I'm talking about drugs. I'm using right. slang for drugs, I'm sorry. Um, So, yeah, it was um, a lot of people just coming in and out, is what I remember. A lot of parties.
0: You said, I think your your parents had a relatively volatile relationship. You said your father had violent outbursts.
2: In um, 1983, my father um, got into a really head-on collision where um, the other person had died, actually, in the accident. He went through the windshield, and the force, his body actually bent the steering wheel forward. And I remember he never went to the hospital. He came straight home, and I remember picking glass out of the front of his skull. Uh, I was three years old at the time. And um, anyways, after that, he had um, what's known as, like... um, fits of rage uncontrollable right. rage rage disorder I believe it was called and it was from frontal temple lobe damage
0: and then yeah. he ultimately died at a young age 2008 he couldn't have like been 54. what about 40 years old he was 54 he was 54 mm-hmm. he died how'd he die
2: a congestive heart failure
0: and your mother's still from alive
2: years and years of abuse of uh, pills
1: and, and you mo- were you were seeing all of that as a young kid I absolutely. mean you were exposed My to all
2: dad of that had a man purse and it was nothing but prescription bottles
0: and your mother used drugs too
2: Yeah, uh, they used to fight about her stealing his drugs oh <laughs> uh, yeah so yeah my mom's still alive to answer your question and um as far as i'm aware she's i, I talk to her daily she's yeah you have 12. a good
0: relationship with your mother I, yeah.
2: have a I have a good relationship with both of them despite you know my raising my childhood
0: now when we first spoke speaking of your childhood when we first spoke you mentioned right off the bat you said the problems all started about age four or five because you said you were a kleptomaniac and you stole everything in sight. Talk I don't about know if that. the
2: problems started at them, but that's my earliest memory of problems. Uh, my mom said I was a good child though; it was very easygoing. Mm-hmm. You could stick me in a closet, and I would find something to do and be mm-hmm. self entertaining Very self-entertaining person, always have been. And um, anyways, um, yeah, I would I would manipulate the preschool teachers into letting me back into the school while everyone was out in the playground and i and on a daily basis you know, daily and i would go in there and i would go through everybody's backpacks the teacher's desk and just take what i wanted and i didn't get caught until first grade
1: and it was a thrill of doing that
2: oh it was a major high it was a major high. i didn't know it then you know what i'm saying i was just going i was just doing i was five years old right um so I didn't realize it, but now, you know, with my experience, my knowledge, looking back, I can say, okay, that's what I was doing. You know what I'm saying? Um, but uh, um, Chris is, you know, I spoke to Chris yesterday, and as I, or day before, and as I shared with him, there was an incident that may have prompted all of this. I'm referring to the first Ludac situation. Right. So that, that may have been the door that opened these types of behaviors. Right. Because my mom said I was an excellent child, you know, an easygoing baby right. and everything. So how does this five-year-old all of a sudden decide to start stealing from people and smart enough to manipulate adults, right. you know?
0: And we'll get to that in a, in a second. But What was interesting, though, is even at that age, you said you had no conscience about stealing.
2: Mm-mm, not at all. Never
0: felt bad if somebody no. said, hey, somebody stole. I didn't
2: bad probably into my 20s, even though I stopped at one point, which I had shared with you also.
0: And, and you stopped at what age, and I said, I believe you said it was because of the consequences you got caught or nobody wanted you around something right. like that um
2: by the time I was thirteen years old, I had been banned to go back. my whole family's from Philly and Jersey, and i'm my dad was the rogue one. he ran down here chasing his first wife and decided to stay, so I'm a Floridian, but my whole family is from Jersey or Philly on both parent sides so anyways, um oh, that was my train of thought I'm sorry um. Repeat your question? No, it's okay. Well
0: you know what? Let's talk let's talk about your brothers and sisters. You have two you have one sister and two additional brothers, right? Yes. And you have pretty much a relationship with everybody except the brother that works at Publix. No,
2: I don't yeah, yeah, I do have a relationship except for the brother of Publix. You're right. I just don't talk to them I don't talk to my sister either, actually.
0: Now your sister Daniela. Yeah, Daniela. Yes. Now let's go let's go back to what you mentioned before because this was a big thing in your life. Mm-hmm. She was sexually abused for 4 years and then on two <laughs> occasions there were lewd acts, lewd sexual acts presented to you as well. Mm-hmm. Talk about your situation. The first was at age 3, correct? At age 3. What um, happened?
2: My babysitter's boyfriend Um, For some reason, he had to drive me home. And when he brought me home, I don't know where my sister was at the time. And I guess we were awaiting my parents to come to my house. My parents never locked the front door. So we just went inside. And he decided to show a three-year-old what his his male genitalia looked like and what it does.
0: And you were the three-year-old.
2: I was three. He didn't touch me. He just showed me things. And as soon as my father walked in the door, I told him. And my father put me back in the car and drove me back to their house and walked me inside and proceeded to beat the man to half to death.
0: Wow! And what so. ha- and what, what? And then nothing ever happened. It's not like no. the, the police didn't come. It was 1985. Or... No. Right. Who
2: cares? And plus, look what he did to his daughter. And, and what? What, what did that
0: do to you in terms of watching your father beat this man half to death?
2: It scared the hell out of me. Excuse my language. It did. It scared me. I never. Later on, which we're going to get into. Right. Um, that's what I believe. Um, f- fired the situation. You know, fueled the fire of the situation. Later in life, was because I learned to not tell because I didn't. A child, a child um, goes inward. You know, what I'm saying I hurt that man. I did that to that man. I'm not looking at what he right. did to me. We we go inward towards It's what I did to him. So I never want to cause that pain on anybody else ever again. So I'm not going to tell on anybody.
0: And there was an additional lewd act when you were ten years old, correct? Yes. <laughs> what happened on um, that case
2: with the guy who ended up. He ended up, after this, molesting my sister for four years. Um, The same guy? This this is not the babysitter's boyfriend when he was three. This is later in life. um, This is Mr. Cook. Yes, Mr. James Cook. Um, He went by Jim. He was actually like 500 pounds. Wow. And um, when the case, when the case, when, let me stay this and I'll go back. When the case got opened up, there was actually 20 different children that he molested. My sister and I were the only two that testified in the end.
1: So this Everybody was else the same. bought out. And so how did you how did you come across this gentleman?
2: He was actually my neighbor's twin brother. My neighbor was a pastor of our church, and my neighbor, and um, he was his twin brother.
0: Hmm. So he he was sexually Marcus abusing your your sister. Driveway. He was he was sexually abusing your 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 sister for four years, mm-hmm. and then with you, there I think there was one incident where it was a lewd act. I'm a stronger
2: he, personality, right? And I'm I'm outspoken and outgoing, so. You, Predators know that type. They know what who to pick, and know my sister's a back door type person. She's gonna sneak out the back door while I'm saying, "I'm you know, F you, I'm leaving." That's the type of person I am. I don't sneak out windows. I'm just gonna go, and uh, but she sneaks out windows. So um, he, he chose her as her as his prey. You know what I'm saying? But he would always try me. He would always you know make right. um, sexual innuendos or comments. We would drive in the car through McDonald's. He remember there's four kids. Um, four of us anyways, and he would buy everybody in their happy meals. And I'd be like, well, what about me? He's like, well, you going to go to the hotel room with me. Mm. Wow. He would say, I, I'd say, I don't want to eat. I'm good.
0: What and, happened to him?
2: Uh, he actually died in prison.
0: How did he get caught? He had this relationship with your, with that wasn't he a relationship. This, it was a sexual, yeah. uh, you know,
2: it was a very uh, awkward
0: relationship. Yeah, molestation with your, your sister. How did he ultimately get caught?
2: Uh, he was peeping on my sister while she was making out with her boyfriend And her boyfriend saw and flipped out, and my sister then confided in him.
0: And her boyfriend.
2: And her boyfriend. And then he went to school the next day and told everybody. So then the school officials got involved. And then from there, my dad tried blackmailing Jim, and my mom found out and then put it in the paper to put everybody on blast. Wow. So my sister, there was no discretion
0: at all. And your sister attempted suicide. Yes, because of that. Many
2: times throughout the year, uh, especially throughout the years, but throughout that first year, she, nobody knew it though. She was just oblivious. I
0: think you said she took an overdose of Xanax, but Xanax alone didn't kill her.
2: Right. Well, Xanax can't kill you, but yeah. Okay.
0: All right. So how y- y- how is your sister now?
2: Um, as far as I'm aware, she's stable. We don't we don't talk. We had a falling okay. out a few years ago. Okay. But um, as far as I'm aware, she's she's had another child and um, she's stable. She's a manager at a 7-Eleven. She has a car, you good, know, pays good. bills. A, a normal member of society from what I understand. Great. All right, age yeah.
0: 13, 14 for you. Now, you really weren't, you had given up stealing because of the consequences that you were facing? Not just
2: consequences. I also found other addictions.
0: Men and drugs. Yes. There we go. All right, so at 13, you're living on your own, and you're selling drugs to pay the rent. At 13?
2: Well, I was taking my, at the time, I was on Social Security uh, for a mental health check, and... um my parents um would just my mom, like i i could get to it i i could get into the how i got ended up in the mobile home by myself but um i would take the check and i would flip it i would right. i would re up with you it. would
0: buy drugs and then you would sell the drugs right. and then to that's make more money and yes. then you made more money yeah all right now at this at this point i believe at this point in time too your your father hadn't passed away yet no. and and you got into it with your father. He took a swing at you when your mother had him put in jail, correct? Mm-hmm. And you were I like was a, on probation, yeah. You were on probation. What happened then?
2: Um I was 13 years old. This is prior to me just before me ending up to live on my own. Um my dad went to swing on me and I drew back and I, I, t- I stood my ground, and I told him, if you're gonna hit me, I'm gonna hit you back this time. The argument was because I would not wear shorts to school. He wanted me to wear shorts.
0: And that's what the whole argument the was whole about? The
2: whole argument was about. Remember, my dad had a rage disorder. Right. So um, he flipped and went to go get a 10-pound trick skateboard of my brother's, which is a very heavy skateboard, it's meant for tricks. Anyways, I said that. Anyways, um, I ran out the front door, that was my go-to He thing. was gonna hit you with it? Oh, yes, if he could catch me, but I learned to get the front door fast. Right. <laughs> Many years of experience. So anyways, um, my mom then, I guess, followed him outside because he grabbed the, the phone. I was going to say his cell phone. It was a portable phone. Anyways, um, to call my probation officer to violate me. And uh, my mom inter- somehow got the phone away from right. him, called 911. He attacked her, and he went to jail. And gotcha. that was how I ended up with my mom, and then that was how I ended up on my own.
0: And at this point in time, you were what they call an emo kid. You dressed in black, kind of. Is that very. is that like goth?
2: No, no, goth it, is like a emo kid. I hate to say. It. I hate. And, hate and you were cutting. You, and you I were cutting yourself. Emotional. I was a very emotional, dark, depressed child. And you were cutting teenager. yourself. Yes, I was hurting myself.
0: Where were you cutting yourself?
2: With my arms. So my you, would just, you. It was superficial. It wasn't a suicide. Right. I mean, there was suicide attempts, but that w- the cutting was not suicidal and it was not attention seeking either because i wouldn't let anybody know i was doing it i would cut that's that's one of the reasons why my dad wanted me to wear shorts that day gotcha was because even though i never cut my legs it was he wanted to keep an eye on my body parts because he didn't know what i was doing to myself or when i was doing it
0: gotcha so um all right 1992 you have such an interesting story and uh, we have so much ground to cover 1992 about you're in eighth grade 13, 14 years old.
2: No, it wasn't nineteen ninety two, it was nineteen ninety five. Nineteen
0: ninety five? Yes. Okay, but you're you're you're, you're you're in eighth grade at, at Lake Gibson Middle School in Lakeland mm-hmm. and you're expelled for distribution of controlled substance. Sales and distribution talk about that.
2: Yeah. I um, was selling my dad's pills to one of my well I guess it was my boyfriend at the time's mother. Um Jesse was his name. Anyways um and one of the girls in school who happened to be the vice principal's daughter wanted a pen in my backpack. Remember, I'm a klepto. So I have like 500 pens, and she happened to get the one pen that had the pills inside of it. And um, she wanted some.
0: And what kind of pills were they? They were Ambien. Ambien.
2: I told her not to take them at school, and I gave her one. Of course, she took it at school. MBM is a sleeping medication, so put she just asleep. wanted to go to bed. But the school overreacted, and they called the ambulance because she couldn't stay conscious. <laughs> and they flipped out, and then it would turn into this whole thing. And I ended up getting expelled and put on pro-
0: probation for it. So you were out of school in eighth grade. You're put on probation. I, did you ever go back to school again? After? I went
2: to the opportunity school and the drug school, the Mark Wilcox and the Polk Opportunity. Okay. I went there for. Off and on for a year until I finally just dropped out. Like it was just no point of going.
0: Right. So you dropped we out to there. After right. Six you went. Months. You dropped out, but you were still on probation, and that caught up with you. Correct. Yeah,
2: because I was actually on probation, and I complete I was on it for one year, and I completed it. But my probation officer retired and never put the paperwork in, so I got lost in the system. Unbeknownst at this time, I'm thinking I'm just off probation. So now, fast forward two, three years later. Um, I'm living in the number one gang house in Lakeland. I'm not going to school. I'm running with a really rough crowd. I'm selling drugs. So my mom gets this great idea. She tells me she's gonna <laughs> pick me up, take me for a depot shot. I'm all for that. You know, I'm right. 15 years old. I don't wanna get pregnant. So anyway, she takes me and she takes me to some, all I know is I walked in the door and the door's locked behind me. Wow. So I was, I started throwing chairs and I went crazy. It was some sort of like rehab facility. Anyways, they held me for three days. And they released me because when they drug tested me, don't know how, I passed.
0: Don't know how. But it was a three-day kind of a program, Cold, and yeah. then you would go to a seven-day right. school, correct? Exactly.
2: That's what I'm going into. So go then when I got released from there, it, that sent me into, it opened the door to send me to a seven-day drug school where I would be in school. They pick you up at 4.30 in the morning on the side of the road. You have no idea how many times guys tried picking me up. Anyways, I'm on the side of Highway 98 North on Lakeland at 4:30 in the morning, awaiting a bus. You ride the bus for three hours. It goes all over the county. Polk County is a pretty big county. It goes all over the county, and then it takes you to school by seven, seven 8 o'clock ish.
0: But but wait, wait a second, here. Let, let me stop you for a second. But some along the way, some police officer.
2: That's what I'm gonna tell you. He so, sees.
0: He notices your maiden in named Capodici, and what happens?
2: So we walk into orientation, and of course, like you said, he heard my name, Capadici, and he recognized it. So he went back to his office, and just coincidentally, my file was somewhere in his shuffle of paperwork, and he found it and immediately put a warrant out for my arrest. So I went on the run.
0: On the run. Yeah,
2: I was. And uh, what
1: was the what was he arresting you? A
2: technical. She, she. She. I was on probation. She, she, she was on
0: probation, and she left. Left. Okay. All right. Now you're on the run, and your first husband to be, not your husband yet, this guy named Brad. He, he convinces you to turn yourself in, yes. what happened?
2: he says we can't move forward until you clear the slate.
0: Now you're 16 years old. No,
2: I'm still 15 at the time. Okay. So he talked me and turned myself in, and when I did that, I got out and I was on house arrest, um, you know, pending uh, my release of probation, okay? I was waiting a court date. Anyways, um, my dad was in the hospital with gangrene. We had two litters of cats, two litters of dogs, and three children I was taking care of.
0: So not much going on. <laughs> so
2: I, um, I was not going to school. My probation officer was tolerating that. But <clears throat> Jim kept trying to come to, him to the house, the guy that was molesting my sister. I would not let him in the house. So he called my probation officer up and told him that I was going to the mall and all this stuff, and they came and violated me, picked me up, and put me before the judge, and I failed for a drug test.
0: And that so they they sent you to the boot camp in Polk County.
2: They sent me from level zero to level nine for a failed drug test.
0: And you were you were at that wow, and you were at that boot camp for a year and a half in Polk County. What and it was, was an that? Awesome experience. What was that like?
2: It was, it was an awesome. I can't believe that mo- most people would never say that. To me, it was an awesome experience. They they break you down and they build you up is what the concept is. It's a very harsh harsh program, but if you don't have mental capacity <laughs> and will, you know what I'm saying? Of course it's going to be hard. But if you have those things, you in fortitude, you can get through it and it, and come above it. You know what I'm saying? Right. I got my GED in there. I came out a bigger better person because of it.
1: What it was what an excellent experience. What was you say they broke you down? How get, t- give oh, us examples of how they did you're that.
2: You're not allowed to make eye contact at all. You're a maggot. You're nothing. Do not you're not even allowed to say your name. You are a recruit ma'am good morning ma'am ma'am I recruit capadice request permission to speak ma'am
0: so how did how did you how did, you how did they like at the end of the boot camp how would you say you were different
2: i was stronger physically for one there's a lot of rack drills running involved um anyways um i was i got back into school um i had had not i had not been in school for three years at that point i studied for six months and when I went to take my GED, I scored four points shy before your college scholarship.
0: Okay, that's fantastic. I wanted to
2: retake the test. They don't let you. All
0: right, let's, let's jump ahead here, because now we're going to enter a phase in your life that was a very volatile phase here. Looks like between age 17 and age 30 was uh, dominated by drugs, cocaine, yeah. alcohol, and a lot of turmoil in your life. Uh, you got out of the boot camp, and you got married to Brad. Yeah. Talk about, about a year,
2: that. About a year later, by the time I was 18... We got married August fifth, and I and um, I found out I was pregnant. No, no, I got I found out I was pregnant three days prior to that. We got married by August fifth. Uh, my eighteenth birthday was August twenty eighth.
0: But you said you were you were you and Brad were bad parents. You were selfish. How so? We were not ready to be parents at all. We were
2: both very selfish. We were involved in each other's emotions. we were involved in our, too involved in our own emotions. We were on drugs.
0: <clears throat> what drugs were you using, both of you?
2: I we were both using meth and cocaine and alcohol. All right. Extreme th- amounts of it,
0: and your daughter was born, Olivia Marie, in two thousand and one.
2: No, oh yeah, yes, yeah, so two thousand and one. So she's twenty
0: <laughs> years old now. Yes, yes. Now you haven't spoken to her since she was seven years old. Talk about that.
2: Um, I've been in and out of Olivia's life from the time that she was one years old. Um, so her paternal grandmother, Cindy Bunch, took custody of her, and um, I would when I was on. Drugs and alcohol. And I was partying. I would be out of her life, and then I would come back in her life, and I would stabilize, and I'd be a good mom, and I would be there for her, and then something would happen, and I'd fall off again, and this happened two or three times by the time she was seven years old. Um, and they, the last time, it hurt her, I guess, so much they moved, and they moved her to Illinois, and when I found out. I had their house robbed,
0: right, yeah you're jumping ahead, we're going to get yeah. there. we're going to get there so, now, but what's interesting is that you haven't had contact with her. You said she's a Facebook friend, but you don't like anything. you don't want her to know you're looking, and you're just kind of observing her because you feel you feel you don't deserve to contact her
2: It's not so much that I don't deserve to contact her, it's that I don't want to disrupt her, okay. I don't know, I know what, I know that what her contacting me could do to me, especially if I got rejection, like I'm choking up now. Um, it's okay. You know what I'm saying? Like if she were to call me up just to tell me she hates me, that would destroy me, even though I totally think I deserve it. It would destroy me just to hear it.
0: I understand, yeah.
2: Um, what, what would me entering her life do to her? And I don't want to disrupt that. You know what I'm saying? I see a lot of myself in her already, and that could be a good and a bad thing. So. Um, but she
1: has a stable life now, yeah, and she's, she's in hard. school. She's
2: in college. She's married. She has a job. She lives in St. Louis now. Actually, she has her own apartment. Oh, that's nice. She's doing awesome. So, why, if it's not broken, don't fix
0: it? So You divorce Brad. Yes. You divorce one year later. One year later, you meet Andy. 25 years you were senior. That's Talk part about of my marriage. I'm sorry, that? that's part of my marriage. The divorce. The divorce. The di- I, I, I'm sorry, <laughs> I forgot that. You said, <laughs> right. When I asked you if you divorced Brad, you said, yes, that was the best part the of your part. marriage. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. So
0: then you meet Andy, who's 25 years your senior. Yes. Talk about that. Yes.
2: Um, Were drugs involved? Absolutely. Andy actually was a drug dealer, and that's how I ended up at his house. I was with a couple of guys. Actually, my third child's father I was with at the time, but he wasn't, like, we weren't together at the time we were just hanging out um, anyways um, they kept they they went to I was passed out in the back of the car and um, okay <laughs> sorry okay. I was passed out in the back of the car and um, they kept talking about this crazy girl crazy girl and finally Andy put it together that the girl was in the back of the car so he picked me up and brought me in his house and um, when I woke up like we kind of like got together right and I never left for four years. I literally walked out in the living room and looked at Steve, which was and you the other guy, and uh, told him I'm going to stay with him.
0: And you had a son. Guy. Right. You had Guy Scott, was born in 2004.
2: Christmas Eve, yes.
0: He's 16 years old now? 17. And you, you actually took him to Legoland a few years ago, correct?
2: No, no. That was Mikhail. Sorry. It's okay.
0: Sorry. Okay. When was the last time you saw Guy Scott? He was like four. When he was four? And uh,
2: His dad doesn't let me. He he dangles him in front of me. Mm.
0: Why did that? But he's with his dad now.
2: Yeah, he's been with his dad.
0: Why did that relationship end? What happened?
2: Andy, Andy is a terrible person to be with. Like, he's a great father. I'm sorry. It's so, it's so difficult to explain because it's like, how could you leave your child with somebody who's so horrible? Because I haven't painted a picture for you. I was not allowed to look sideways while we were driving down the side of the road. I was not allowed to wear makeup. I was not allowed to dye my hair. I was not allowed to shave. He knew how much gas it took to get to, when I was pregnant, to get to my prenatal doctor. If there was more than a quarter of a mile over the tank or the mileage, Mm -hmm. we would fight. He was a very, very volatile, very, very controlling, abusive person. I was a dog on a leash when I was with him. I had no identity. I lost myself. Um, He was 25 years my senior. Um, somebody that old was obviously with someone that young I am very broken inside right. he took advantage of that
0: and he could control you
2: absolutely he was very I was all him
0: how did you get out of that relationship
2: Um, my my Brad's mom told me and it actually she told me this like a year it took me a year to finally for it to happen by the way um, she told me that if I left him she would give me a paycheck once a week a car, a cell phone, a place to live, stable housing. And all I had to do was go to college and take care of my kids and become an RN. That's what she wanted for me. And, and, and when I was done, she would buy me, my, uh, buy me a house. I didn't tell you that, by the way. Right. Well, no. Well, you,
0: well, you told me she was right. She enticed you to leave this guy. Mm. But then did that ever you ultimately left him? And did, did she come through on what she said she would do? She
2: came through on, on. Well, obviously, I did not come through. OK, so she came through all the way up into the point to where I destroyed everything. And I never earned that house. So I never went to I never finished college. Um, I never I ended up on cocaine and alcohol really right. really bad Ex-
0: exactly and that's where we're going right now because yeah. we we're, we're almost up to when you had her house robbed 2005 2006 very rough years you had ended this relationship with Andy I believe two alcohol poisonings I walked at, in with Steve you, you right and you but two alcohol poisonings that ended you up in the hospital with Cur- Steve. yeah I was with Steve you there. were with a guy named Steve at that you were already with Steve mm-hmm.
2: so the, the how I met Andy was through Steve and that was four years, and then four years. Flash forward four years later, um, after Andy and I broke up, Steve happened to get out of prison, and I happened to run into him in a cash and carry. And then he started stalking me, and then he became my pizza man.
0: <laughs> okay.
2: And then I, I. And
0: Steve had been to prison eight times, correct?
2: Yeah. Well, not that time. It was like six, five or six at that time.
0: Which is very interesting because you know one of the one of the things that we talk about in in your in your story was that and I'm, I'm, I'm jumping ahead this time is that is that guys in relationships have been your achilles heel and your codependency drugs, yeah. drugs and you seem to be drawn to these to these bad boys, mm-hmm. most of them have been arrested or imprisoned Have you ever volatile. thought about why
2: um well I mean look at my dad i mean definitely my my male role model was a volatile drug dealer slash photographer who was very promiscuous mm. Um, but that's, uh, ironically, that's one thing I don't tolerate. I may be abused. I may, you know, you can do a lot of things to me, but I do not tolerate. Um...
0: Right, but don't cheat on you.
2: Right, don't cheat on me, because that's like, forget it. Um,
0: So jump back to these. you had two alcohol poisonings, uh, and I believe you actually flatlined once. I think there was a a suicide attempt, correct?
2: actually, that was the beginning of Brad and I's divorce. Like, right before uh, we filed for paperwork, Brad threw me off the porch. And, um, I just lost it because i didn't want to be with him brad brad would do things to me even though i would say no and i just couldn't take it anymore and um i i went to my dad's apartment and i army crawled into his house and i got into his purse, his man purse by the way of his prescription pills 20 years later still has a purse. yeah and i took out two bottles and i just happened to grab xanax and Somas. Xanax is not deadly you can eat a thousand Xanax you'll get very very messed up, but you will not die the moment You mix Xanax with anything it immediately becomes lethal Rule of thumb
0: now you had a, you had a child with Stephen Mikhail. He was born in November of 2008 Talk about that.
2: I actually had Mikhail. I was pregnant in jail most of the time um, And I had Mikhail I, I got sent to Susan B. Anthony three weeks before I had him that's my second time in Susan B. Anthony. The first time, um, well, hold on. I how I how I ended up pregnant in jail was I ended up robbing my ex mother in law's house, the house that my daughter right. lived in, because I found out that they moved her to Illinois.
0: Yeah, let's jump back there. Two thousand eight. Mm-hmm. You you orchestrated a break in. I guess mm-hmm. she moved your, your daughter. Uh, Olivia, she moved her daughter up north and never told you. Right. So you orchestrated a robbery of her home. I had
2: Steve rob it. Yeah.
0: You had St- you and Steve, or he, you organized it and Steve robbed it. But then you got convicted. Mm-hmm. But you avoided prison time if you gave up custody of your daughter. Correct.
2: Um. No. No. They already had custody. No. 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 They already had custody of my daughter. Full custody. How did you avoid prison time? My mother-in-law's a God-fearing woman, and I guess she still loves me in her heart. You know what I'm saying? Because it was all her. Okay. The state would not move forward without her blessing. You have to understand this woman is a woman of power. She's a multimillionaire. She owns a Fortune five hundred company. She's chamber of commerce in the city.
0: So she didn't want you to go to prison no, and you didn't, didn't go to prison. Go to prison. Right. Well, okay, that was that was good. Was have you ever reconnected with her?
2: Um actually when my daughter sent me a Facebook request back in two thousand and twelve, um I, I I text I uh, Facebook sending it immediately and asked permission if it was okay if I oh. accepted, because I mean I, I'm so sorry for what I did to there to their house. You know what I'm saying? Like I wish I could undo that. I was on meth at the time. It doesn't excuse it, but um, I never want to step on her toes again.
1: So yeah, I, because she very respectful. She she took care of your daughter.
0: Yeah, so I mean, she's done a
2: lot more than that. Yeah, I've costed that woman a couple million dollars easy. So,
0: so this guy. All right, so you have Mikhail with Steve. Now, I guess, I guess uh, Steve violates probation, <clears throat> and he takes your son Mikhail, and he, he he he's on the run, and he takes Mikhail to California, well, but but you were in prison at the time.
2: Right, I had Mikhail, right, right after Mikhail's first birthday, I got caught up in a check ring. I was back on meth. I got asked Susan B. Anthony in August. Four months later, I, I got asked Susan B. Anthony in August, and against everyone's advice, I went back to Polk County. I should have stayed down here. <clears throat> But I didn't do that, and I left my support groups and everything, and I moved up there, old people places and things, and got caught up within four
0: months. That's would, what, that. That was when you got caught up in that that, that check, check ring. ring doing what's called and busting. Would, yes. Expl, I, explain busting. You you, uh, you we taught were me about payroll
2: that. Payroll checks, and we were cashing them.
0: So you were creating checks that looked like payroll checks, and we were then you paid, would we and,
2: were, and, we were and, buying account numbers and stuff.
0: And then you would write. So I mean,
2: you go to like a local vendor, like a mom and pop shop <clears throat> and you probably can't do it now because of people like me. But anyways, um, you could back then go to a local place to do like a check cashing place, not a bank, but a local place. Mm-hmm. And they can't check it immediately in the system. So as long as they've never cashed that check there before, you can go there and cash the check. You know what I'm saying? Um, and they won't know until they go to
1: cash it. How it's, long were you doing
0: that?
2: Uh, like four months
0: you were doing crystal meth at this time? We were, yeah we were cooking it. How did you get caught?
2: Um, I actually went to go bust um, a check and um, we had already been there twice that day and I think because we were high we forgot and it, it just ended up it ended up really bad. The guy ended up with altercation, um, the cops ended up chasing us and the guy that I was with was an informant so they took me instead of him um,
0: we yeah, see that crazy. so often. So many people tell us they go to prison because somebody, you know, you know.
2: And he was the dealer. <laughs> he was yeah, the one they turn the
0: them in so that they don't get charged on a crime. I, we see that so often. I
2: was the, I was the small I was the small fry in that situation, but I didn't know it at the time.
0: So now for the very first time, you're going to prison. You go to Lowell Correctional Institution for Women, correct?
2: Institution Center, yes.
0: And you were there for over two years.
2: Yeah, I stayed there. I actually got really good at manipulating to make sure I stayed there. I kept a hold on me at all times.
0: Were you scared? You went to prison? Yeah, no. For some reason, I didn't think you were scared. No, not at all. What was that like?
2: I'm going to say this very cautiously. It was too easy for me. I'm naturally an institutionalized person.
0: So when you say easy, why why was prison easy for you?
2: It was easy. I can conform to it easy. I can get into the underground stuff easy. Um, I don't do drama, so I don't do like the whole dating. and I didn't get into the drug scene. Because I tried and I ended up getting bapped, which means you got like fake stuff by a midget. I can't fight a midget on the yard, so it just doesn't look good. Nope. Yeah, so. So, so, what happened?
0: You went to buy some marijuana and it turned out to be oregano, oregano or something, or
2: tea leaves or something. So, you just said, Well, yeah, all right, just whatever, just yeah, I'll just live. And you asked me, um, actually, was there ever a period of time if you were ever sober? And I'm like, Yeah, as many times. Well, that was 27 months right there, <laughs>
0: right?
2: Um, wh- so wh- prison was an awesome experience, Um, it was a learning experience, most people backpack across Europe, I went to prison. Um, (laughs) I met a lot of really cool, interesting people, God put some really cool people in my path, in my life. I've met some awesome people, John being one of them. Um, I met a pianist in there, um, she could have been lying through her teeth, but I believed her. Um, She was a Chinese woman and she was in there on some very strange charges and she was I believe her based on how her stature was, how she carried herself, how she expected people to, you know, she demanded respect. She didn't carry herself like she was in prison. She carried herself like a woman who had a degree and came from something, you know what I'm saying? And, and had something to offer. It was just, she didn't fit in. So anyway, she, she um, helped me um, kind of hone my artistic skills. You know what I'm saying? I started drawing again mm-hmm. and, and writing poetry again. And I found, I went inward. You know, I
0: volunteered a, at a at a men's correctional institution for thirteen, fourteen years. And so many times I hear men and women say they'll never work and at a women's correctional institution. Why do they say that?
2: Because it takes the women forty five minutes to line up for chow, button up your shirt, tighten it up, get in line, stop talking, don't smoke. This is when they were still smoking in the prisons, by the way.
0: Right. There's I no made smoking a killing anymore. when they got
2: rid of the smoking, though. I made a killing. How? Because I was, um, I got in a dr and got kicked off wheelchair pushing. Dr
0: is a delinquency report. Yes. Okay.
2: Um, I, for doing tattoos, I actually oh, I wow. was doing tattoos, but they caught me because I did my own. It was my father's death date and his birth date, and um, they they saw like it was still fresh. So um, anyways, they thought someone else was doing it and I just wouldn't rat them out, but it was actually me. So well, what anyways. they
0: tell us in a men's prison is if, 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 if one guy has a problem with another, there's a fight, there's violence and it's over. But it's different in a, in a female or a They're women's catty, institution. They're
2: you know what I'm saying? They're more likely to cut you up or steal your stuff or sleep with your, I don't I didn't have a girlfriend, but other people would have sleep with their girlfriends. You know what I'm saying? They're very malicious and catty and they kind of, they come and they jab you from the side instead of punch you in the face. And it's just nitpicky, and they don't have respect, and women are not clean. I was in a very clean dorm; I was very blessed. But women are not.
0: Clean. Talk about your dorm—eighty-three women in a in one big in one kind of room. a cage. Wow, no, it's, a room. It's, a room it's a room with, with... eighty-three bunks. Mm-hmm. Wow, mm-hmm. wow.
2: And I was very fortunate. Well, hold on, thats at Lowell. So, like the other camps are very different. You know what I'm saying? They have like little like um, cottages, but they don't have AC. I wanted to stay at the at the um, reception center because we had AC. And i'm not going anywhere with that ac
0: now one issue so. you had is because you speak well a lot of women didn't like you correct no um i have i've actually had this issue
2: throughout i've been in a lot of like drug programs you know facilities <clears throat> like i said i'm naturally institutionalized so anyways i've been through a lot of things and are just people in the streets in general but anyways um because i speak clearly and i speak with certainty and you know i'm articulate I, I intimidate women. I make them feel like less for themselves for some reason. They have self-esteem issues. Anyway, so they would um, have a real disdain for me because um, of the way I spoke or I carried myself.
0: So you were paroled in 2012? No, no you were released. released. That was my question. You were released in 2012. So you're not subjected to parole? No. Are, you, simple su- charges. are you subjected to anything? No, uh, your I, an, your I didn't. Analysis? I went straight to the door. I
2: did my time straight to the door,
0: and you're out the door.
2: Mm-hmm. And I, I got, a, I didn't go home this time. I didn't go back to Polk County. I got a bus ticket straight down here. I didn't know anybody, and went straight into a halfway house and In Pompano it out. Beach, so mm-hmm. was it was,
1: it was just the bad influences up there. I mean, the people oh, no, you I were got hanging. Oh, I had
2: trouble down here too, and I found math Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 that's what I thought. <laughs> I, I
1: just real quickly, you mentioned earlier, you know, God brought people into your life. Are you a spiritual person?
2: Very, very.
0: Very okay. Yes.
2: I believe strongly in um, in energy, in um, a greater entity, you know. And I believe that it works through people and through kindness.
1: And you think that's one of the things that maybe has kept you alive to this point, because Absolutely. you've been in a lot of hairy, hairy situations. I've
2: been pronounced. I, I've been pronounced. I have flatlined twice at this point. Okay, mm-hmm. I should not be here on many occasions. I am a very, very grateful person, and I'm only here by the grace of God. Like, it, there's no coincidence. There's no coincidence. This person happened to be here at this time while I was seizing and just knew exactly what to do to get me to the hospital and save my life. I don't believe it's coincidence.
1: That's divine intervention exactly. to you. You,
0: okay. you just told Andy, you know, you found meth down here. All right, You, you said you, you found meth down here. When was the last time you used crystal meth?
2: Um, my summon My My seven. My son turned six um, on Tuesday, mm-hmm. and um, I'm sorry. I, I don't. I don't want to be brutally honest, but I don't want to lie to you. And um, so I didn't know I was pregnant with right. this last child. Right. Right. Um, and um, so four months into the pregnancy, I, I was gotcha. using. So about seven. Very years, heavily.
0: So that was about seven years ago. Yeah. Because okay. I
2: was at that time. I was supplying probably a third of Broward County's meth.
1: Wow. Was there repercussions to to your son?
2: My son has a speech delay. He's ADHD. He's bipolar. Um, And um, he has social issues. So he's in um, very intense therapies. And he has an IEP in school and stuff like that. So, yeah. I don't know if those are the consequences that came along with it, but I will definitely hold that shame and think it is.
0: So in in 2013, you you met... um... You met Kevin's father, mm-hmm. Kevin, and uh, you've been together for seven years, correct?
2: Mm-hmm. All right. Minus uh, his, his incarceration times.
0: How did, how did you meet Kevin?
2: Um, I was actually on a binge, I guess you would say. It was my birthday, and my friend said, Casey, let me show you how we do it in Broward County. And um, it lasted like seven days. Anyways, at the end of it, some guy that she was like, messing around with he was a coke dealer and i guess he ran out and he needed to re-up and he said listen i gotta re-up so but i really want to bring you with me and i want to introduce you to this guy because i think you two were, were really because you have a lot of things that he wants because i was selling at the time too you have a lot of the things that i think he'll want and find interest and he has some stuff that you might like too so kevin and i met and we courted for like six months eight months something like that like we were friends we talk we hang out and we didn't we didn't actually get together until uh, February of the following year, and it was kind of like a business deal. Like, we wanted to make an enterprise, so to speak. Like, gotcha. That's how
0: it happened. So you were, once again, you were also drawn to, as you said, or uh, well, as I say, kind of bad the, the, the bad boy persona. Now, he's never been to prison, but he's been to what you call 364, means 364 days in county lockup on, on, on a couple of occasions, correct?
2: Like four or five, and then he's done uh, two or three month stints here and there.
0: All right, um, and, Hearts, uh, me. and and your son Kevin, he's uh, he just had his birthday, and what grade at school is he in?
2: Tuesday, and um, he'll be going into kindergarten. I mean, up going into first grade next year.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. Now you know it's funny. You mentioned John. Um, we've got we've got about ten minutes to go, so you mentioned John Eddings earlier. Uh, John actually uh, is is a great man who I met a number of years ago, and he runs the Anchor House Halfway House um, in in I believe Lake Worth. Talk about the positive influence that John Eddings has had on your life.
2: John is another one of those people that God put in my life. Let me start with how I met John. That's a divine intervention moment for you. So I was living at Salvation Army, just out of uh, Susan B. Anthony, and I had just lost my fourth job. And you have to maintain. Salvation Army is like a housing thing that helps people um, get on their feet, save money. It's a subsidized housing. So anyways, and there's rules there, you have to maintain employment. I lost my fourth job and I thought I was gonna get kicked out of there even though I wasn't, but I thought I was. Um, so anyways, I was like, F it. So I had like 20 some odd dollars cash and I was like, I'm gonna go buy some alcohol. I-, I can't deal with this anymore. That's one of the things you don't do there. You cannot use alcohol or drugs, you will get kicked out. So I was risking everything doing that and people will tell on you. So anyways, um, I was walking to Publix, which is like straight down the street and right as right before I hit the main road, I looked to my right, and there's a garage sale there. I love garage sales. I'm a trash picker <laughs> all day long. I, you have no idea the stuff we get out of the trash. Anyways, um, and I looked over, and I went over to the garage sale, and I found how many Curious George DVDs was there? Like 43? Something like that. Anyways, there was a stack of Curious George DVDs. I spent all my money on the Curious George DVDs that I was going to buy with the alcohol for my son. <laughs> And I couldn't carry everything to the store because so, I still had to go to the store and get groceries, diapers, stuff like that. So uh, anyways, on my way home, I gave John my phone number and I said, I'll call you on my way home mm-hmm. and I can either grab it or you can bring it to me or whatever you want to do. Well, giving John my phone number, he didn't realize it was just a one-time thing. So he, he kept calling me, he would find an excuse. Oh, I found a few more DVDs or whatever. And then finally, when he went to bring over the, the excess DVDs, um, he, uh, he asked me out for coffee. And I made like a sly comment, I got you, Dom. I got you. I made a sly comment about how I had been to prison. Like, oh, I guess it's not as bad as the prison coffee. You know what I'm saying? Let him know, right.
0: let him know that, you, you, that right. I had been to prison. Right. You
2: know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And most people, that's a really good, when, you sh- when I share people that I've been to prison, it's a really, and I gauge how they respond, it's a really good way to learn a lot about people. Yeah. And, how, and their response to, that, mm-hmm. to those statements. So John's response, there wasn't one. He didn't, he wasn't even set back. Right. I was like, okay, this guy's a stalker. <laughs> so, anyway. Yes, he
1: is.
0: But
2: of course I don't run. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> yeah. But of course me and my dynamics, I didn't run. I K- went for coffee. <laughs> K-
0: Casey, if you could stand in a room with 30 or 40 young ladies that used to be you and give them advice on how to live their lives or what, what, what advice would you give them so they wouldn't make the same mistakes you've made?
2: love yourself
0: I think you said love you got to love yourself before you can love others talk about
2: that uh, first off if you can't love yourself you're not capable of anyone else plus no one else is gonna love you you're gonna end up in the same volatile relationships trying to find love you don't need to find it it's already within you And if you find that then you don't need anything else and the good things will come to you
0: and I think you also mentioned that the secret to life is balance, balance. even Every. even drug use you said
2: well I I I would never say that in a room of teenagers in me, me state that, but right. I, I did say that. Yes. Everything in moderation, everything in balance. If you do too much if you eat, if you use too much toilet paper, it's gonna have consequences. You know what I'm saying? You take too much vitamins, there's gonna be negative consequences. If you take too little vitamins, there's gonna be negative consequences. Everything is about that that middle ground. And I really believe in the pursuit of happiness, that is nirvana. Is when you achieve balance and that is the hardest thing to do can you maintain balance in every aspect of your life
1: have you have you maintained balance
0: absolutely not I'm terrible are you life. getting I'm better at, are you getting better at it <laughs> yes were, were you yes. ever considered an alcoholic like yeah. A, do you go to I am A, an alcoholic you, so you don't drink any alcohol now no
2: okay. I just lost my taste for it I don't go to AA or anything like that okay I so I am full support of it though I absolutely I did do that um, and it, and it worked for me at the time I needed it. And then I just kind of like phased out of it. But, um, no, I don't drink. And, and if I feel like I need to, I will, I don't, I will go to a meeting. Like I don't mind.
0: And I think one of the issues you had told me it, it was that you that you struggle with is the contact with, you have four children. So how, how do you, how do you deal with that? Because I think you, you I have, have a,
2: four children, but I only have one and I'm only in one life. You're I'm in only, one life. I'm only, I only have one in
0: my life. Mm-hmm. All right. And uh in terms of the guise of relationships and your being your Achilles heel, how have you come to deal with that in your life?
2: God has blessed me with an awesome partner. I finally found someone who can appreciate me and I can appreciate them and we can love healthy with health. You right. know what I'm saying? Like hell I'm choking up, I'm sorry. Um Kevin is an amazing man and amazing father, and I'm so grateful. Because he was not when we first got together. (laughs) I don't know. if. But people can change, right? No, I was already there, and I knew that. It was already there. We were just on drugs and selling drugs and leading a terrible lifestyle. And once we had our son, um, we were able to shine.
0: Casey, thank you so much. You were a fantastic guest. I hope you'll come back.
1: You know, of I course. was I
0: was very fortunate to have met you about a week and a half ago by chance, divine vengeance. <laughs> by chance, and uh, you 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 uh, overheard something I was saying, and you offered very insightful uh, dialogue to it. And I said, we've got to put her on the show, and it was just such a pleasure you, to man. meet you. And thank you so much, mm-hmm. Andy. Final comments? Insane.
1: Yeah, it was great meeting Casey. I mean, what a resilient person she is. I mean, going through all these you know, obstacles in her life from a very young age, from the time she was basically born on, it's been one tumultuous thing after another. And you're incredibly resilient. God bless you. And I I hope your life continues to go in a positive direction.
2: Me too. And same to you. (laughs) Thank Thank you.
0: you. Well, that does it for today. And thank you all so much for tuning in for another episode of Men Going Home here at the station at The Man Live in Miami. And a very special thank you to Dr. Regina Sheeran, David Goodwin, and John Eddings. Thank you all so much for supporting the show, and thank you all so much for watching. See you next week here on Men Going Home.